Hey guys, welcome to the One and Done podcast, where it's all about young people being successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas, and we're excited to have y'all with us today. Welcome back to episode number five of the One and Done. We're excited to have everybody on the episode today. Today we're with Ken Belden. He is the Associate of Brokerage Services for Stafford Barrett Commercial Real Estate in College Station, Texas. Uh, Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jackson. Appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. So uh, I know two realtors and, and kind of back-to-back episodes, but I know the difference in you and the the boutique firm guy we had on here. Yeah. Completely different realms. And I want to get into that a little bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit later. But so t- tell us everybody a little bit about commercial real estate, what separates you from maybe the other firms in the area and uh, kind of what got you into the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, commercial real estate is essentially just, it's the process of connecting buyers and sellers and landlords and tenants uh, for commercial properties specifically, right? So, you know, you're traditional when you think of real estate, you think of someone selling houses. We're basically just representing retail strip centers, multi-tenant office buildings, industrial properties. You know, commercial real estate encompasses pretty much every property type that isn't residential or like a vacation home. Uh, So Stafford Barrett is a boutique, call it a boutique firm here in, in Bryan College Station because we're pretty much localized to this market. But we do retail and office, land and industrial, student housing, multifamily, you know, property management, investment sales. We cover pretty much every every spectrum of commercial. But we are pretty much local to Bryan College Station. I also do some retail tenant representation regionally throughout the state of Texas. So I work with, you know, restaurant groups and and other, you know, salon concepts that are looking to expand two or three locations. Uh, throughout the state of Texas in the year. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, that's what I'm doing over at Stafford Barrett. And I got into the business cause I knew I, I kind of had to pick it apart. I, I knew I had a love for people. I love talking to people and kind of picking their brain and getting to know them, but I also like complex problem solving. So, you know, you put those two things together and the first real answer is sales, you know, a, a sales profession. So when I started breaking that down, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do a product sale, right? I, I feel like for me that would get repetitive, sort of monotonous and boring. Um, and so I started thinking real estate and I was like, okay, there's residential and there's commercial. I don't want to sell homes. I just, I don't think it's necessarily what I want to do. So I started thinking about commercial and really wanted to do land and like farm and ranch sales. Just ended up with the right opportunity at the right time with the right group of people and now I'm a retail and office specialist, and I think it's a better fit for me in the long run than land and farm and ranch would have ever been. Yeah, absolutely. So tell everybody a little bit about about you. You know, kind of your background, where you're from, yeah. and uh, then we then we tie that right back into what we got into, which is you getting into commercial real estate. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually born and raised in Austin, Texas. So and enemy territory for a lot of the Aggies <laughs> in College Station, but uh, graduated from high school in 2014. Uh, came out to school at A and M. I was in the Corps of Cadets, was in a number of other organizations. Uh, I was actually, I was a Yale leader my senior year, which was an awesome, awesome experience. Uh, but, you know, I came out here, I was studying kinesiology originally and switched into agricultural economics about two years in. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I just kind of found the path along the way. You know, I uh, didn't really ever think about doing commercial real estate before, uh, but it was something that, that sort of found me along the way. And, and I'm really, really thankful for it. Yeah. So as you're, as you're at A&M, right, you finally found commercial real estate. Talk a little bit about that process. Talk about, you know, who came in and spoke to you or what you heard and why it kind of drew you into the commercial real estate side. Yeah. So my, I guess it was my junior year of 
college at A&M. I was still a kinesiology major, but I knew I wanted to switch. I was going to switch into May's business school and pretty much had all the prerequisites I needed to switch. Uh, and then I, the day I had the meeting with my advisor, or the, the advisor for May's, I took a nap right before my meeting with the advisor. I woke up from the nap and just had this epiphany that I was going to go into agricultural economics. <laughs> and so I literally canceled my appointment with the May's advisor and just went straight over to the ag department and started meeting with them. And they had a program called the finance and real estate program within the ag uh, degree designation. And so in that program, you know, within finance and real estate, they have a speaker series of different people who come in to talk about their professions. And I think it was one of the insurance guys who came and spoke to us who said, if you like people and you like problem solving, then you need to start thinking about sales. I'd never really thought about it before that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so after, after hearing that from him, that's when I started putting together this thought process of what kind of sales do I want to be a part of? And over time, that just kind of became, you know, the, the, commer- the idea of commercial real estate just kind of started popping up more and more. I was born and raised, you know, hunting on ranches in Burnett, Texas, and thought, it, you know, there'd be nothing better than selling ranches out in the hill country, you know? So I, uh, I was looking for internships in commercial real estate, and they're, they're tough. They're tough to get, especially if you, you know, I didn't have any connections in the industry, really. And so one day I was, uh, this is now senior year, you know, I was a broke college senior trying to make money on the weekends. My buddy had started a company contracting college students to do like chores basically for people in Bryan College Station. But at the time we were setting up Christmas lights and taking them down. And one job that I was on in January of my senior year, this beautiful house, two-story house, r- real steep roofs. We're getting paid 50 bucks a house to take down Christmas lights. I don't like heights and I'm on this dude's roof <laughs> ripping down Christmas lights, fearing for my life. And he comes outside and I start talking to him. I'm like, man, this is a, it's a beautiful home. Like, what do you do? Right. He goes, well, I'm a partner in a commercial real estate firm. And I was like, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any spots open? <laughs> so he hands me a business card and, you know, one thing led to the next. I ended up getting an internship at Stafford Barrett uh, from February to May of my senior year. And, you know, as I started getting to getting close to graduation, I wanted to go back to Austin, right? I knew that 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 corridor from Austin to San Antonio, that I-35 corridor, was just blowing up, especially the rate yeah. that Austin and San Antonio are both growing. I mean, I-35 is just taking off. New Braunfels, San Marcos, all that stuff in between. That's what I wanted to go do. And I was still interviewing people. I interviewed with a couple different groups. And as graduation, I, mean, I think it was like the day before I was set to graduate, the partners at Stafford Barrett sat me down and they were like, hey, your woman you've been training under, who is a phenomenal broker, I mean, she's an absolute, absolute stud in the industry. She's built up this retail and office portfolio. She's about to get married and she's going to move like to a totally different market. We don't have anybody really lined up for it. And you work really hard. We think you're a good fit here. We'd love if you would, if you would stay. And so I had like 18 hours to figure out if I was going to stay at college days <laughs> or not. And that night I ended up sitting down with my parents and just kind of telling them, I was like, this is, this is where I think I need to be. Yeah. You know, great opportunity, great opportunity, you know, cause so many guys, guys and girls who enter the commercial real estate realm, 
you know, if you go work for one of the corporate firms right after you graduate, you spend, I don't know, eight months to a year as an analyst before you really get the chance to get brought on to a, to a team. You know, unless you go get like your master's real estate or something like that, you're typically not brought on immediately to do transactions. Right. So if you're coming right out of the gate with just an undergrad degree, you know, you're talking about a year before you really get any transactional experience. And it, at Stafford Barrett, I mean, I was going to get that right out of the gate. I literally was able to plug in and start working on a portfolio right away. And it, it really, I think it, it, it set my timeline so much further ahead than a lot of my peers and a lot of the guys I graduated with because the transactional experience just started to rack up. Yeah. You know? And it was a small firm, right? So I get to work on deals, significant deals with pretty much every partner in our company, very different asset types. I mean, I've got a really great experience just learning the business here and I'm a very trial by fire kind of person. So yeah, absolutely. The best way I learn is just <laughs> getting thrown in, man. And it's been great for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so, you know, talking about commercial real estate and, you know, that's a, that's phenomenal how you got into that, right? You're already thinking about it and then just taking, taking the Christmas lights down. <laughs> opportunity knocks. Absolutely. Man. And t- taking advantage of that opportunity. And we'll get to that later talking yeah. about how you set yourself apart, but talk to everybody who's, trying to figure out exactly what commercial real estate is, right? It's not that hard of a concept. It's it's buildings and real estate, right? So right. it's not the residential type. Why did you not want to go into the just the all-encompassing, you know, personal or the, the personalized real estate, the commercial real estate, you all all over the board? Why specific just to the commercial? You know, I mean that's a it's a totally fair question. I I think at that point in time I was interviewing and talking with enough people that were in real estate I had gotten connected with a couple different groups and sat in on some seminars on what, you know, custom home building companies were doing and, you know, what companies like uh, Keller Williams were doing that are, they have a commercial branch, but they've historically been residential. What I was hearing a lot of was that residential, you know, the the number of transactions you're going to do is a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you, you have to, you smaller. have to, yeah, the, the, the deal size is just smaller, but you know, it, it is a lot more personal, you know, you're really building the relationships with people. And that, that part was appealing to me, right? Building those significant relationships and helping these families like find their home. Right. right. But along the same lines, like, I don't know, I, I the idea of being a, a part of the community and being one of the movers and shakers who gets to help form and build a community was really appealing to me, you know, cause we're, we're doing deals where we're helping hospitals expand. We're doing deals where we're helping these big industrial distributors come to the market. And to be able to do that in a town like Bryan and College Station that has so much potential for growth, it was just, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And I still get to build good relationships with people. Um, you know, they're not as deeply personal, but at the same time, you know, the, the transactions are a little bit bigger. I think for me in the grand scheme of things, it, it allows me to build the kind of life that I want to build for my family. Right. And that's the whole, that's the, really the, the crux of why I got into it. Right. I wanted to get into a sales job because it allowed, you know, high income potential. Right. But also in, in the long term, when I've got kids, I want to be able to spend time with them, you know, flexible schedule, flexible schedule, man. I, I want to be able to, have the money that I need to take care of my wife and my kids and, and still, you know, take time off. Right. I don't want to have to be worried about answering to 
the big dog, you know. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the flexible schedule, right? Because yeah. I know on, I think that sells across the board. And I, I love the way you described it because you weren't sitting there saying, you know, there's no guaranteed money. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't get to just put the put the you know computer down at, at 4 p.m. and go go home. Right. Yeah. You're looking at the positives of it. And I think yeah. that's people who are going to be successful in sales. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You have to look at the positives. You got to stay optimistic. <laughs> let's talk, talk talk to me about commercial real estate. What's the flexibility like? So, I mean, it really is like you, you eat what you kill, man. It's, um, it's, it's tough in the aspect that you're going to have to put in a lot of hours. That's just the reality of it. You know, you've, you've got to be married to the career, especially if you're young and you're trying to build that life for yourself. It is very flexible. I mean, I, I can pick up and go work from my house pretty much any time of the day. You know, at, at, our, at Stafford Barrett, there's a general expectation that you have a presence in the office, right? You're there at certain times, you're there for meetings and everything, but they know that if you're doing your work, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at, you know? And so that's, that's been one of my favorite things because I, I can come do stuff like this, right? Or I can go schedule a, a lunch with somebody and no one's checking my calendar. I'm not clocking in and out, you know, I'm there as early as I want to be. And I'm there as late as I need to be. And on some days, if I just tell them, Hey, I got 30 errands. I got to get done by tomorrow morning. I'm not going to be there until 1 p.m. They're like, all right, we, you know what you got to do, you know? Yeah, I would say if you're if you're thinking about a job in sales, and you're the kind of person who's worried about, man, I'm not going to be motiva- motivated enough to get to the office, you're probably not going to be a good fit for sales, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Like, we don't have to be at the office. I could technically leave every day at 12 and go play golf. Yeah. But I like being at the office. I'm here till you know, five, six, seven every day because yeah. I enjoy it, right? Because you want to you want to separate yourself. That's the salesman uh, mentality and motivation you've yeah. got to have to be successful so if you're listening to this and you're thinking man i'm a little a little nervous i don't know if i'm gonna be able to use my time wisely right i'm gonna i'm gonna never never work i'm always gonna take time off well you're probably not gonna be a good yeah. salesman anyways yeah well you have to you have to like the chase right absolutely that you have to love the process of going out and procuring that business and knowing at the end of the day when you've put in 80 to 90 hours in a week and you're there you're at the office every night until nine or ten when that one big deal hits, I mean, that's that's a feeling, man. Yeah, adrenaline rush. It's oh, awesome. Oh, dude, absolutely. Talk yeah. about being competitive. Right? Oh, I getting love back it, to man. Getting back to the sports days. Like, <laughs> yeah. I haven't picked up a basketball in like a year and a half and don't really even care to anymore. Really? You know, oh, no, man. It's all business now. I love you know, it. You know, the next time you pick one up, though, you're just going to get that. Your feet are going to sink into the ground. You're going to be like, you know what? I miss this a little bit, but I, I know what you mean. Though. You know what I mean? It, ta- it takes over the competitive drive it that does. you had when you're in sports. And it that's what it does. That's the theme of the podcast. But it's also, I think the theme of people who are good in business, right? Like if you're, if you're young and you had any, any sports background at all, think about what made you successful in those sports and turn that into, okay, whatever industry I'm going to pursue. Those are the same characteristics, teamwork, hard work, yeah. uh, motivation, innovation, whatever it is, those things are going to separate you. Put in the hours you got to put in to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the negatives and the positives of commercial real estate, right? Because there's yeah. going to be uh, there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days. Dude, it's all good. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no you you know it's you know there's pros and cons to every industry, right? But with commercial real estate, uh, I think the biggest pitfall is there's a, a relatively low barrier to entry, meaning you don't have to have a college degree to go be in commercial real estate, but the level of experience that you have to have to actually be successful at it only comes through doing deals. And because these deals are larger transactions, they also take longer to close. So when I sat down at Stafford Barrett, you know, I previously had no real sales experience before that. And they looked at me and they were like, okay, 
you don't really have much sales experience to go off of. Uh, it's probably going to be about nine months before you really close a deal and it's a full commission job. So are you prepared to not make decent money until your second or third year in? And, you know, as a broke college senior, you hear that and you're like, well, I'm broke anyways. <laughs> yeah, I can do it for a couple more years. I can do that. You hit about, and this is pretty typical for a lot of people who really just start in the industry. You hit about two years in and it just starts to, it starts to brutalize you, man. Like you're putting in all this time and all this effort and you're just not seeing the return. You know, you're, you're building the base of the pyramid but you're not going to get to the top for another couple of years. Right. And that's frustrating, especially in today's society where we are such a society of instant gratification, right? You look at your phone, you post something, you get likes, uh, you know, you can watch anything you want. You can listen to anything you want. You can watch anything you want. It's we're so ingrained in this idea of being able to have whatever we want as soon as we want it. It's, I think it's harder and harder for people, like especially you know, as time goes on, younger people, to grasp that idea of putting in really hard work for what's going to happen three, four years down the line. Yeah, and that was a tough concept for me, man. You know, I, I think like you, like you know, we we're pretty successful at everything that we had done up until we got into the into the sales world and. Once you get to the sales world, it's just a different beast, man. It's there's really no one keeping track of you, and the money you make is really what you can generate, and it takes time to make that kind of money. Yeah, you got to so, be willing to invest in yourself. You do, right? I, I listened to some the other day on another podcast. I listened to a sales podcast, and he was he was saying the same kind of thing, right? Instant gratification. We get everything instead. Yeah, you know, tip our fingers. People are not willing to invest in themselves anymore. Yeah, and like you need to be. I don't if, even if you are an employee, right? If you're not 1099, if you're not a salesman, yeah. if you're an employee, you still got to ask yourself why would my employer invest my salary in me every year? And why would they? Why would they give me a raise? Why would they add benefits? Why mm-hmm. would they do those kind of things? And I think a lot of times people don't do that who are not in sales. Like in sales, we have to, right? Right. Our investment is our time, and we yeah. understand. Okay, I'm investing, you know, 80, 90 hours a week, but I made X amount of money this week, so yeah. it's worth it. Um, on the employee side, you've got to have that same mindset of how much am I worth investing in? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you want to raise that bar, right, you've, you have to invest in yourself, right? Over time, if you're going to go work for some big corporation, they have to see that you're willing to, to improve upon yourself because there's only so much they can do for you, right? It's not like they can provide you all the training that you need to be at the next level. you got to do it on your own. Yeah. And even if they do provide it for you, you got to listen to it. you got to learn it. you got to yeah. And you got to take it. Here's one thing I've learned about training just in, in and you can correct yeah. me if it's different in commercial real estate. Training is generic usually. And yeah. it's very, uh, it's not going to make you any money. Let's put yeah. it that way. Right. You have to be able to say, okay, here's what they said. Mm-hmm. And here's how I can take that and make money off of that. Yeah, Take the little snip. No, I mean, it's absolutely right. You know, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking a, a specialization certificate in commercial real estate right now. And it's, it's four classes that you have to space out over a certain amount of time, but it's the same thing. Like every single class is, you know, there's nuggets of it you can use and you have to learn how to use those to your advantage. If you're not paying attention, it doesn't do you any good. Right. You know, I can get the certification. doesn't mean anything. Right. It's, it's a stamp, but using the knowledge that they're providing, I mean, this industry experience and knowledge of the last hundred years you have to learn how to utilize that. Read old reports. You know, read the books that these guys have written. 
you have to dive into it. Otherwise, yeah, you're right. You're just spinning your wheels. You, and you think you're making progress by tricking yourself into just taking these classes and sitting there blindly, but you're not getting anything done. Yeah, and the people who are sitting there turning that into money, they're going to start lapping you pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ones, who are, the ones who are paying attention. Yeah. So before we get into you and kind of what made you, you know, successful early on, what separated you, where's the tech wave in relation to commercial real estate? There's a couple different, a uh, couple different aspects to that. I think you know, obviously as as technology has increased, right? So has availability of information. So it's sort of changed how commercial brokers have access to uh, information in the market as far as who the property owner is, what their contact information is, who are all the tenants in the center. You know, Bryan College Station is still fairly insulated from that real deep knowledge but you know markets like houston and austin and dallas there is so much information that is now available that used to be it take you hours and hours to find now you can get it you know right away absolutely and so it's it's sped up the transaction time uh i think it's definitely increased the the sales volume of of brokers who know how to utilize the technology uh, and it's a great thing, you know. It makes our job a lot more efficient. You know, we don't have to flip through phone books anymore. We can, <laughs> we can find everything we need pretty much online. What is that? So, what does that do for your client satisfaction? Right. I, I haven't really thought about it. Till you just brought that up, but for, same thing for me. Instead of me calling a client and trying to get specific information on their building to insure it, and I'm sure it's kind of the same same with you. you yeah. Know, drawing up their contract. Being able to find it online, not having to bother the customer as much. So whenever I am talking to the customer, it's all about them. It's all about mm-hmm. them, what we're doing for them. It's not mm-hmm. the info gathering stage that can sometimes kind of be monotonous and, and you lose their you know attention during yeah. that. What does that do for the client satisfaction on the real estate side? I mean, it helps a lot, right? I mean, you're you're talking about skipping an entire level of the conversation. If you can go into those conversations and know everything about their property before they tell you anything about it, I mean, you automatically jump to, you've established your level of experience, right? You're obviously a master of this market. You've jumped over that. And now, you, like you said, you can focus on the relationship component, figuring out what it is, what are their pressure points? What do they need, right? What, what can you do to be of service to them? Once you ask all those questions at that point, then you, then you can you know, move forward and make your pitch. But it's helped client satisfaction a lot because we don't have to... We don't have to waste that unnecessary time anymore. You know, if you're doing your job right, you shouldn't be asking a lot of those preliminary questions right off the bat. I mean, you should be able to totally circumvent that stage. You should be problem solving. You, yeah. That's what you've been saying it, all, yeah. the whole time. And <laughs> exactly, I love that. I, exactly, I think that's man. exactly what sells it. Yeah. You know, people think sales are being a salesman, right? A used car salesman. That's yeah. what people think of sales. Yeah. And they think of the worst thing, but they don't think of the best thing, which is you literally get a new problem every day. Every single day. I, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I had a couple of jobs like in high school and college, monotonous, yeah. sitting behind a computer, <laughs> doing the same thing over and over. And it's, it, you don't really get anything out of it. There's no, your brain is literally not thinking, yeah. right? You're literally just doing it over and over. Yeah. You're doing data input. Problem solving. That was the greatest thing to me about sales. Every client I talked to, they have something different. They their product looks different. Their needs look different, and you're able to really think actually, and you know, get that stimulation, your brain stimulated, thinking mm-hmm. about how do I take care of this client, how do I take care of them now in the future, whenever their life changes, when they have kids, uh, when they get old, when they need long term care, things like that on the insurance side. I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things about sales, and I love the way you keep phrasing that of like problem solving is what sales yeah. is. Yeah. So. No. So uh, I 
don't mean to necessarily flip it on you, but it's I'm curious about that now. So for you, where is the biggest component of that problem solving? Is it just based on the person to person, right? Like, is it is that the variable that that changes all the time? Is just the nature of those people's like financial situations? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's everything, right? right? So when you talk about insurance, you're talking about risk. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're pretty familiar with insurance, probably on yeah. the property side. So you know, if you're taking a property in Houston versus in station there's mm-hmm. a different level of risk of you know being flooded by a hurricane <laughs> right so so there's that there's where where it is there's also who it is so like you just mentioned their financial information do they have claims in the past do they have great credit or bad credit as a company are they you know not paying their bills or are they paying their bills mm. so i think a lot of it has to do with um it has to do with who the who they are as people and, and what they're needing to ensure what is their risk yeah. what i like saying it what does a risk profile look like yeah right and then my job a lot like yours is uh is to say okay here's their risk profile which one of my companies wants to take on this risk profile yeah who am i going to basically partner my customer and my carrier with like which one which one's fit same okay. as you do with tenants i'm sure yeah, right like yeah. okay this tenant does this that's going to be a really really good fit for this property i'm trying to Bingo. put some tenants in because they you know you're probably not going to put somebody who's like in our profession you know in a restaurant with an office in the back yeah right you got to know that they fit together that they they work well together and that's kind of where you start adding that value, I'm assuming, to your clients too. Yeah. That's 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 the biggest thing in sales, in my opinion, is solve the problem and then add value. Yeah. Do those two things and you're gonna be really, really successful. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I mean that that was that was phrased really well. I, I think that's exactly what it what it comes down to. And you like I said, you do have to you have to enjoy that. You have to enjoy the putting puzzle pieces together. It takes work, but you know, if you like the process then yeah, definitely, definitely run in the direction of sales. Absolutely. Well, in, in a little bit of time we have left, I want to talk about you. What made you successful, right? So I, I have a, a strong opinion that competition breeds success mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So are you, first of all, are you competitive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Figured you were, right? Played sports and all that. You hate to lose or you love to win? Love to win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I, I think love to win is... A, you, there's both, right? You do hate to lose, but you know you got to take that in stride, right? You got to take that failure in stride and, and run with it. Something super interesting is the last real estate guy we had on. He loved to win too, and I think that says a lot about the business y'all are in, which is a like a very you know a transactional style of business. Like you're mm-hmm. going out constantly trying to win cl- like clients who mm-hmm. want to do closings with you. Yeah, right? I think that relates really, really well together with the kind of sales that you guys do, which is, you know, and, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how many residual, you know, clients that you guys have on the commercial real estate side on the personal real estate side. I mean, it's not it's not really a thing, right? You're, yeah, you're, it's one off transactions. So you're right. you have to love to win because that's all you're, you're just winning. You yeah. know what I mean? The, yeah. I guess the losing is a client saying they don't want to use you, but more often yeah. than not, you're you're winning over and over and over. Yeah. And, you, you know, the other thing is there is. There's, there's competition in every industry, right? And you want to be aware of what your competitor's doing, but don't get hung up on it, right? If you spend all your time focused on what they're doing, you're not going to get anything done. Nope. Every, I think every salesperson in every industry can tell you that, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what motivates you to be successful? Coming out of college, what what made you say, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be successful? Like, I need a sales job because I want to make a lot of money and I want to have a flexible schedule. What motivated you to do that? You know, I think I I, I might have mentioned it a little bit earlier, ultimately, you know, the end game is building a life for my wife and kids that is comfortable, that I can spend time with them and build 
you know, continue to build upon my family's legacy, right? You know, my dad, my dad grew up broke in New York and ended up working his way up to be the senior vice president of final manufacturing for one of the biggest semiconductor companies in the world. And he started off as a technician. Like he started off, didn't he had a bachelor? No, he had an associate's degree and, you know, he worked, he worked hard so he could build this life for me and my family. And I want to continue to do the same. So that motivation to, to build upon what's the foundation that's already been laid, create a good life for my family. And also, you know, continue to grow and be a part of the community to be a part of these developments going up and to see the way things are changing and say that you had a part in that, you know, I don't know if I'll be in Bryan college station for the rest of my life, but if I am one day I can drive my, my kids through town and be like, I helped do that. I helped do that. I helped build that. We helped develop that, you know, like it's, yeah. there's a pride to that, right? There's a pride in helping really help a community blossom. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's cool. So when did your job turn into career? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I think I made the conscious decision probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, I was... How long have you been in this? Three years. Okay. Yeah. So the first... And, and like I mentioned earlier, like that, it's that two-year window. The reason the retention is so low in this industry is because people get to that two-year window and they're either like, I'm going to stick it out. I can do this. Or they go, nope. Moving on. Tried yeah. it. It was fun. Not not for me. <laughs> It'll look good on my resume. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I hit that point about a year and a half ago where I was sitting at my desk going like, you know, this is a grind. This is brutal. Why why do I want to keep, you know, continue doing this? And I, I think I, I woke up the next day and I was like, you know what? Everything that I've really put my mind to and humbly everything that I put my mind to, I've been able to do. And I think to prove to myself that I could do this and that I could be a a big player in the industry was one of those things that just sort of made me like, you know what, this is it. It's competitive drive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good point, man. You just, I had something to prove to myself and now it's become something that I just, I love doing and it still gives me that, that competitive, uh, you know, that competitive edge. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what do you, what do you do to separate you from, from everybody else? How old are you? 24. 24. Oh man, that's, that's perfect. Perfect for the show. (laughs) So 24, what do you do at 24 that separates you from people in your industry who are 34, 44, 54, right? Been doing it for a very long time. Yeah. Also the people who are also 24 and in this industry, how do you separate yourself from both of those groups? So we'll start with the older, I think the older group, there's an easier distinction between someone who's 24 and someone who's 34 and up. You know, by the time you're 34 and up, on average, these guys have got families. These guys have kids, wives. They've got thousands of other obligations. So the amount of time in general that I can spend at the office just grinding it out, you know, that that's an automatically built-in advantage. But the other thing that I'm doing in, in regards to keeping up or, or competing with those guys is, you know, just relent, absolutely relentless follow-up. It's that input of education all the time, you know, constantly taking classes, constantly reading, listening to industry podcasts, finding mentors in the industry that are way, way above my level, you know, brokers in LA and New York, guys that are looking to mentor somebody younger. You go seek out those guys that are doing $20 million a year in transactions. And you just, once a month, you touch base with them. You talk to them about what you got going on and they just, they pump it into you right? Because they want to help bring somebody up. And that 
that experience, I get great mentorship from, from my team, but that mentorship that I get from a lot of those guys, I think is really, really starting to spread the bar because I'm learning stuff at 24 that you that, shouldn't know for till you're 34. Exactly. Yeah. That a lot of these guys didn't figure out until they were 10, 15 years into the industry. Um, and as far as, you know, my own age group, it's, um, it's, it's that idea of being married to it, man. I'm not in a relationship right now. I don't have a dog. I, this is my, this is my love right now, man. Like I'm pouring just about every ounce of energy I can into making sure that I do this right. And, you know, I, I can't say that there's, you know, a couple hundred other guys out there my age that aren't doing the same thing, but I've seen a lot of guys that come into the industry that don't have that mindset and they either don't make it or they end up stuck. And so it's that just burying yourself into it and being absolutely relentless in what you're doing every day. I mean, that's, that's the competitive side too. You know, absolutely. You just got to buy in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a thousand, a thousand percent correct. You have to buy in. Um, I think it's the people who are trying to decide if it's a job or if it's a career yeah. are the people that usually don't make it. Right. Yeah. And, and not, not that there's not ever that distinction, right? Some days it's a job and then, you know, you, like you say, you wake up one day, you're like, all right, I'm going to make a career out of it. But it's from that moment that you decide that, that I think you just excel past everybody else who still had made that decision yet. Yeah. And that's why I think using this podcast, right? If you're wanting to get into commercial real estate, be a sophomore in college who goes out and gets a good internship mm-hmm. at, a, at a commercial real estate firm. Understand the lingo that you guys use over there, right? Understand the transactions, the way they work. Start educating yourself now. So, again, when you're 24, you have the knowledge of someone who's 34, someone who's 44, because yeah. you've been pouring a lot of time and effort into it from a very, very young age. Yeah. Super important. Um, in, in business in general, right? Let's just use business in general because me and you, I mean, you work with a ton of businesses, right? You're on oh, the yeah. retail side. So you seek all kinds of businesses right. all day long. What makes somebody start off quicker than others in business in general? Hmm. I think it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's that idea of, of this is going to sound cliche and I think you are going to hear it a lot, but you, you've got to love what you're doing. And I think the people that I've seen that I've helped do deals with that have started up their own businesses and made them successful, those people love what they do and they are willing to do <laughs> legally everything uh, everything they, they, within their power to make it work. Right. You know, in, especially in light of the pandemic, I mean, there were people that were running these little mom and pop shops, but it was what they loved to do and they made it work. Right. They were constantly putting money into the business, figuring out creative solutions to make sure that they could continue doing that. And so, you know, for, for any level of business, you have to find some level of passion in it. Otherwise, you're going to be robotic about it. Yeah, you're going to burn out too. Yeah, you got to love it and turn, like you said, you know, and, and you can you can slow down, right? Once you get a family, once you have kids, those kind of things. Yeah, but you still, it's still the love still has to be there for it because that's it when I think you start mentoring other people. You start being able to give back more so than you're putting in. Yeah, well, and I think that's that's one of the things that I I wish there was more education on. It's one of the reasons I love that you're doing this podcast, identifying what you love. And how to find a career that fits that is very, very tricky. You know, unless you're like, you know what? I love music. I love mixing music. I want to go into music production, right? That's a simple equation. If you love people, there's a million different sales jobs you can go into. If, if you love people and you love problem solving, a million different sales jobs. If you like helping people, a million different counselor jobs you can get. 
it's identifying that path is really tough. And yeah. so really spending time for anybody listening, you know, really spending that time to write out what it is that you love doing, what you're good at and what careers align with that is so important. And I, I wish I would have done that sooner than I did, you know, cause it, mine was a, a fortunate coincidence and I was, I was very lucky to get the opportunity when I did, but man, I wish I had known that process two or three years sooner. Yeah, absolutely. High school doesn't teach you that. And your first couple of years of college. Don't yeah, teach I mean, you that. and to be honest with you, you know that, and that's, that was the biggest reason I did this. I heard too many people saying, Oh, what are you going to college for business? Right. Yeah. I heard, I'm sure you heard that all the time oh. in your department. Business. <laughs> what kind of business? There's so many businesses out there. Yeah. But the only way to learn those really is through listening to other people talk, mm-hmm. hearing about them, and then finding something that fits. Like you said, do you like sol- helping people? Do you like solving problems? How much money do you want to make? How much time are you willing to put in? There's a lot of factors that as you just listen to other people talk about it, you're like, I'm willing to put 10 hours in for yeah. that. Not for everything, but for that I am. Yeah. Like, or I'm willing to I'm willing to make nothing for two years so I can make a lot of money later on for that. Not for, you know, for, for real estate, I'm willing to. Yeah. For insurance, no way. If I was selling vacuums, I wouldn't, yeah, no. <laughs> I wouldn't be waiting two years. You oh, know? man. I can imagine that job right now. Maybe that's maybe that's the next guy I got to go find. I got to find somebody on LinkedIn that sells vacuums. He's got to be a better salesman than we are. Oh, my gosh, man. Well, during the pandemic, a lot of people were at home, stuck at home. You might have had a killer year. That's true. I don't maybe. know how you market them. You can't knock on the door anymore. But <laughs> yeah. so, Well, man, I appreciate you coming on today. Before you before you head off, I want to I ask you two questions. Number one, who's your role model? And number two, where do you see yourself in 10 years? The role model one, I think, changes a lot. Yeah, I think one of the one of the principal people has been, and I, I think this has kind of changed recently, after I read McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Have you read that yet? Mm-mm. Dude, highly recommend. Good. Or just get it on audiobook. It's a six-hour listen. That is a guy who figured out early on what his passion was. He pursued it, but he also spent a lot of time doing self-reflection. And basically working towards building that life for his family, but still pursuing his passion. I've I've loved reading his stuff and kind of following his career over the last couple of years. You know, man, it's 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 tough to say. There's another guy, uh, John Dixon, who runs uh, Steamboat Music Fest. Are you familiar with that? No. It's a Texas country music festival that goes on in Steamboat, Colorado, every every December. Uh, I I knew him when I was younger, kind of growing up, and. I loved his relationship with his wife. He had two two beautiful daughters. I loved his relationship with them, and he loved what he did. I mean, he absolutely loved his day-to-day job. It was brutal, but it helped him build a good life. He's got a good relationship with his wife and kids, and, you know, he's happy, and his kids are happy. His wife is happy. Like, that's that's the goal, right? I think I think John's a great example of that. Now that I give a more personal example, yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, Where do you see yourself in ten years? Ten years, ten years. It's a long way down the road. You're 34. You're in that second group of people we just yeah. talked about. <laughs> ten years down the road. Hey, hopefully, at that point, you know, I, one of my goals is to is to start a a holding company that basically incubates several other companies. And I'm, you know, I want to do a million different things. I want to own a bar and restaurant at one point. I want to own a diner. I want to own a music production studio. Um, you know, hopefully by that point I'm, you know, I found the woman of my life and got a couple little kiddos on the way. I've got things, you know, really established in commercial real estate and that'll still be my primary source of income. But, 
you know, I want to develop that stream of passive income that allows me to live comfortably. And I could take a year off of doing commercial real estate and still live comfortably and live a good life. So 10 years down the road, I want to have, you know, those businesses established, have that source of income established and, you know, be able to focus on the really important things in life, which is, you know, your family and whatever it is you believe in. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks everybody for joining in and uh, look forward to talking to everybody next week. Thanks, Jackson.